Welcome to our Clothe with the Sun daily podcast, our reading and meditation on the gospel of the day. I am James Thomas. Today is Wednesday, August 16th, 2023. It is the 19th Wednesday in Ordinary Time, and our reading is from the Gospel according to St. Matthew. I had it, and I lost it. It's on my phone. Now it doesn't want to cooperate. All right, here we go. From the Gospel according to St. Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have won over your brother. If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, so that every fact may be established on the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, then treat him as you would a Gentile or a tax collector. Amen, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Amen again. I say to you, if any of, if two of you agree on earth about anything for which they are to pray, it shall be granted to them by my heavenly Father. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. So, as I was preparing to talk about this reading today, I was really struggling. And I slept on it. <laughs> so I woke up today and I'm continuing to meditate on, and I always ask the Lord to send me his spirit to help me to understand the scriptures. And he's so good, and he gives me so much. And yet, I'm sure he could give me so much more, we could go so much deeper, but he gives us what we can digest, bite-sized portions, like a good father would do. And I think the problem that I have with this reading is that the church is not really the church. The church, I mean, I don't don't mean to sound like some schismatic or something. That's not where I'm going here. But what I mean is, you know, Jesus says, this is what you do when your brother sins against you. And uh, Father, but also Saint Robert Bellarmine, talks about how to report scandal and and the proper channels to go through if you have to... um, Let's just say oppose your priest or your bishop, you know, somebody that's in heresy, things like that. But Jesus is just doing this on a basic, simple level here. If your brother sins against you, go and talk to your brother about it. Don't go gossiping and all this other stuff. And he's not saying don't ignore it either. Or he's not saying to ignore it, but he's saying, no, go talk to your brother. And then if your brother doesn't listen, get a couple witnesses. And then if that still doesn't work, go to the church. And if that doesn't work, shun your brother. Treat your brother like you would a Gentile or tax collector. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean shun, but it means like don't treat them as one on the inside. And I guess my point that I'm saying here is that nobody's on the inside anymore. And that's why this reading is such a struggle for me to understand and grasp where do I apply this in my life. And then Jesus goes on to say, about the church. He's talking about the church here. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. He's talking about the church working together as a body, as a family. And then where two or more are gathered in my name, I will be there with them. And if you ask anything in my name, two or more, I will answer those prayers. So he's not saying when everyone in the world sins against us, 
we need to go and have a conversation with them. That's part of the struggle for me. See, I try to connect, and I mean, we all do this because we live in this world. I try to connect with people that aren't brothers or sisters. They're not in the faith. I become friends with them, and then I treat them as if they're in the faith. I treat them as if they are my brother or my sister. Oh, well, let's talk about what you said or did. And very often when I approach a situation like that, thinking, oh, this person definitely loves me and they definitely have all my same priorities. So let me point out to them this one little thing that they did wrong or whatever. And then I end up getting cursed out. They don't care about my religion and my morals. So the first point here is it's about a brother, a brother sins against you. See, we have trouble relating to this because we don't live in Christian community. We live in the world. There is very little Christian community. And so in order to apply this in our lives, first, we need to have Christian community. So I think of times when I've worked in close proximity with others and prayed and and lived in close proximity with others who were true believers, and even then this was difficult. But at least then you could go to a person and say like, okay, I'm having an issue here. Can we talk about this? I mean, very often in our own families, we can't do this. And it so frustrates us. We try to talk to spouses and brothers and sisters and parents and children about, oh, well, you know, this thing, you know, it kind of offends me. And I was wondering if we could talk about it. They don't care. (laughs) Very often they don't care as much as we do. Or maybe we don't care as much as they do. And so, and the thing is, Jesus is saying, you know, what to do if they don't listen. I think one of the things he's inferring here is that, you know, you only do this when you know that you're right. So when you see that a brother or sister is in sin, and he uses the word sin, it's not saying like your brother or sister doesn't like the same video game that you like, or they don't, you know, they disagree about where to put the forks in the kitchen drawer. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a sin, and he says sin against you. But I think this could apply even just to sins in general. If you see your brother or a sister falling, then, yeah, we need to talk to them about it if they truly care. And if they don't care, well, then, all right, we're back in evangelization mode. And remember, when you're in evangelization mode, there is always going to be that that time, that decision that has to be made of, do I leave and shake the dust from my feet? And that's where Jesus is going when he says, treat them as a Gentile or a tax collector. If you find out they don't care, you've appealed to the church, you've appealed to the community, you've appealed to maybe others in the family, they don't care. And that's the thing. Most people in my life, I treat as a Gentile or a tax collector. Yeah, there's some connection there. We work together, we're associates, we might talk once in a while, but they're not my brother or my sister. Some people even want to be a brother or a sister to me, but they don't. And it's it's not about me judging them. It's not that. But if they're not in the Lord, if they're not praying, if they're not giving a moral life, I can't be that close with them because I am in the Lord. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I'm striving to grow in holiness. And yes, we need to surround ourselves with people also striving to grow in holiness. That's what Jesus is talking about here. The rest of the world is outside of that circle. Jesus is talking about your inner circle. You have a brother or a sister, and yes, they might sin against you. And then, yes, we have to address now, what do I do? What do we say? How do we handle this? So it's interesting. 
Um, I just want to go a little deeper into this point of what does the church really look like? Even the church doesn't look like the church. And that was the point I was making at the very beginning. Even when we work in the church, you find, let's just say in a parish office or in a school, the majority of the people aren't living the faith. Therefore, even there, you can't really apply this. They all get treated as a Gentile or a tax collector. Remember, as I was saying earlier, you know, Gentiles and tax collectors, we still have an obligation to evangelize them, but they're not our inner circle. They're not our brothers and sisters. So this helps me find peace with this reading, identifying the fact that there are those who are truly my brother or my sister, and that has to be discerned, and I need to surround myself with those people. And if that's the case, then all this other stuff applies. And you know what? This also applies to priests, bishops, cardinals. (laughs) Sometimes they're not brothers or sisters either. Now, not that we're trying to point them out and judge them and this and that, But sometimes a person might say, oh, why don't you call your bishop about this? Why don't we talk to the nuncio? Why don't we talk to the, write a letter to the Vatican? Well, okay, even there, that has to be discerned. Is this pastor or this bishop that you're telling me to go talk to about a situation, are they truly a brother or a sister? Or rather, are they a politician? If that's the case, then writing them a letter is just like beating your head against the wall. They're not going to care. And very often that's what we find. So I think of some good examples of this where we find true brothers and true sisters in a true church being formed. And as I was praying about this and thinking about it, I was thinking about seminary formation. Certain people in recent years have been very successful in recruiting men to the seminary. And this also applies to religious communities. And it's those who form a genuine community, those who form a community of brothers and sisters. That means the person forming has to first be that brother or that sister, and then they gather them together. And then, and, and it's just amazing to me when I think about, I mean, I'll give you a great example. Um, Archbishop Chaput, when he was in Denver. Now, Philadelphia, I know there, it was a different scenario, and I, I think Archbishop Chaput is a very good man, a good bishop. I've had the privilege of meeting him a couple times, and yes, he's, he's a very good person. He truly is a brother in the faith. He truly loves the Lord. Uh, but I think of just the stories, and I'm not from Denver, but I think of the story, and I visited Denver once or twice when this was going on, but when he became the Archbishop of Denver... He brought everything together on one campus, first of all. So just physically regarding buildings, he brought it all together. The bishop's residence, the chancery, the seminary, the seminary dorms, and there were also smaller houses of formation. So they were all there together, and he was regularly there among them, and he would do young adult nights. And so he was definitely a man of community, bringing people together. And then he, like a number of other bishops before him, decided to try this new idea, which hopefully in the church is happening more and more. I know um, in the past, even in the recent past, it wasn't happening. Some, what I'm saying is seminary formation. Seminary formation 500 years ago, established by St. Charles and then many other Trent reformers, what they did was they established seminaries. And then the numbers went up because the seminaries were great. They were successful. And then you had these large seminaries. St. Charles Seminary in Philadelphia in the 50s, let's just say, had over 600 men in it. Okay, that's not a small community, but it's different because it's a Catholic culture that produced that, that was part of that. 
So in this Catholic culture, they have these huge seminaries, and it was a seminary in the model of St. Charles and the Council of Trent, where there's just tons of guys, and they're, yeah, they're going to school, they're being formed, they're praying, they're all having their liturgy of the hours together, mass together, meals together. Very often, they didn't even go home because the whole community's right there. They would do sports together. There's a big community there. And yeah, that's for many of us Catholics, this is what we're used to in the past century. Yeah, we remember a time when the church was huge and everybody was on board. Okay, then that all fell apart. But in many cases, we still have the same model of seminary. And what happens is guys get lost in the shuffle because it's no longer a Catholic culture. It's no longer a place where everybody's on board. You have formators, you have priests, you have even lay formators who are, some are liberal, some are heretical, some are politicians, some are even pedophiles, uh, some are, you know, sexually deviant, whatever. You have all that going on. Then you got the men in the seminary. Some of them are sexually deviant. Some of them are very liberal, pretending to be conservative. Sometimes it's a, cons- a, a liberal seminary where they're pretending. Uh, did I just say that? I don't know. <laughs> they're pretending to be one or the other. Oh, our formators are liberal. Let's pretend to be that, even though I'm conservative and vice versa. So there's not honesty. There's not openness. There's not brotherhood in that situation. So what did Shapu and some of these others do? They had this idea And like I say, I hope to see this more and more of small houses of formation where you take some of your best priests, you put them in charge of these small houses, you keep them connected to the larger community and the bishop, but in this small house, there's openness, there's honesty, there's praying together, living together, studying together, talking, and even just having relationships with people outside the house where we are promoting healthy relationships with men, with women, with family members, etc. And everybody's on board together. And in a situation like that, you have friendship forming, true friendship in the Lord. So there's lots of encouragement, but there's also lots of fraternal correction where Jesus's words in the gospel today are very much applied. And guess what? When they've made these changes to, let's just say, for example, the smaller houses of formation, but also bringing things together, the chancery being connected to the seminary, being connected to the bishop, being connected to some of your best priests, your best lay people, young adults coming around to pray together. When that happens, the numbers shoot up. The numbers go through the roof. Suddenly now everybody wants to join the seminary. Why? Because they know in their hearts this is the church. It isn't an amazing thing. We live in a day and age where everything's falling apart, and yet all you have to do is do things right. Go back to the model that our Lord gave us, a true community that involves praying together, loving each other, having fun together, but also challenging each other morally. And yes, if people don't want to be part of that, then okay, we shun them. See, we're afraid to shun people because we're afraid to lose their money. And we're afraid in a parish of 4,000 families that, oh no, if I actually have requirements for confirmation, I might lose some of the kids and our numbers might go down to 3,000 families. (sighs) Well, we're disobeying our Lord if we're simply just trying to hold on to the numbers and losing the authenticity of the faith. And you lose everything. When you favor quantity over quality, you lose everything. So another example is Bishop DiMarzio when he came to Camden in New Jersey, South Jersey. 
he founded a little little building, little house of formation. It was a former convent right next to a high school. And he called it the Nazareth house. And he put some of his best priests in there. And he said, men can come here and live if they're discerning a vocation, but also it was a place for the seminarians to gather when they weren't at the seminary. Um, and even the young priests would continue to come around and hang out and have meals and do holy hours. And in like two years, the number of seminarians went from eight to 32 and then he was transferred somewhere else. And then they shut down the house. <laughs> right. But this is how it works. So this gospel reading, I, like I say, getting back to this gospel reading, the reason I struggle with it is because there's certain things that are the foundation of this reading, certain things that are meant to be understood that aren't there. And that's why we can't we re-wrestle with Jesus's words. Okay, who is my brother? How do I connect my, correct my brother? Well, it's because we don't have brothers because we don't have sisters in the Lord. We struggle so much. And I know so many of us that, that people that I love in the church, we struggle just to have those one or two people in our lives that are actually truly brothers and sisters in the Lord. I mean, I have some very close friends. I was saying this earlier. Some of my close friends are far from the Lord. And there I have to recognize that, all right, this isn't a true brother, but I still, you know, maybe want to have this person as a friend, more loosely speaking. But sometimes even people that want to pray with me, even people that want to be really close with me, they disagree on a major moral teaching. Or maybe they're not in church every week or they haven't been to confession or that, you know, they don't believe in the need of to repent from sin. And all right, there's only so much I can do there as far as having a spiritual relationship. There's only so far you can go. So first, that needs to be established. And then from there, we live the words of our Lord, where we challenge each other. I can think of certain people in my life that even challenge me on things that maybe in the past I didn't think were such a big deal. People that might challenge me on the kind of language that I use when I talk or you know, do you need to have that second or third drink? You know, why can't we just enjoy ourselves, et cetera? You know, there's, so I'm, I'm confessing a little bit here by saying those things, but it's so good to have people in my life where they look at me, they know I love the Lord, they know I'm trying, and then they see some faults. Uh, one person said to me recently, you know, you're very kind and good person. Oh, well, thank you. That's very nice. But they said, this person said, is it possible that maybe you could be a little bit more gentle? And I'm like, yeah, that's huge. That's, that's awesome. Because I tend to be a little rough in, in the way I deal with people sometimes. And it's not meant to be uncharitable or demeaning or anything like that. It's just I have a little bit of a rough nature. Maybe that comes from my dad was rough with me and, and other people, coaches and teachers over the years have been rough with me. So I tend to be rough let's just say with my own students and people that work under me. Um, yeah. So it's important first that we have brothers and sisters in the Lord. And then it's very important that then we follow our Lord's words of helping each other to grow in holiness. And when we do recognize this person is outside of that sphere, okay, this is not my brother or my sister. I can still maybe have a, a looser friendship with them, but that needs to be recognized. That's not somebody I'm going to go to for moral advice. That's rather someone that I can still love and pray for and, you know, 
there's still so much value there to every person. We can encourage each other. We can still learn from each other. So as we go forward, we strive to form Catholic community. This is one of the greatest challenges of our day and age. And we recall the words of Pope John Paul and Pope Benedict constantly talking about communio. The church is communio. It's a family. It's not a business organization. It's not a political organization. It's not a social justice organization, a social outreach. It does some social outreach. It does have some business. But, and, and the, you know, the politics, that's another whole thing. We could preach five more sermons on that. But the church is meant to be a family centered on the Eucharist with Mary as our mother. God the Father is our Father. The Holy Spirit is the life blood. Blood is thicker than water. The Holy Spirit is thicker than blood. And the Holy Spirit binds us together. So we ask the Lord for each of us in each of our lives, show us community, bring us together, give us the support and the strength that we need. Anyway, have a great day, everybody. God bless you.